Good morning. My name is Jim Barclay, the chap. Uh, <laughs> I reverted back to one of my other roles here in my lifetime. I'm the pastor here at Lighthouse Fellowship. We're glad that you're with us today, and we're glad that you could join us. Uh, Merry Christmas to everyone who's uh, watching this. I pray that God would speak just as we just sang and let his word come forth and power touch us. There's a, there's a song out now that I like also. And uh, the title, once some of the phrases in it, his blood speaks a better word. And I want to tell you, I love that. I just, his blood speaks a better word. And we can definitely uh, know that our Lord and Savior Jesus Christ came for all of mankind. And whoever believes in him, whoever puts their trust in him, will live with him throughout eternity. I pray today that if in any way that you're uncertain about that, that today that that would be taken with certainty, that God would speak to your heart, you seal it upon your heart by the power of his spirit, and that he would uh, give you that certainty, knowing that God Almighty is Lord of your life and you would follow him all the days of your life. And actually you would pass this down to your children and then to their children's children and your grandchildren, all of the generations that, that uh, actually or after, come after you, that God would uh, touch their hearts. Now, pray that in Jesus' name. The word today, I believe, is a special word. Obviously, the word of God is always special, but I just pray that God would speak to you, so let's pray that that would happen. God, we just thank you as we bow today. You're our Father. And Lord, today, you desire for us to know you so intimately that, dear Lord, today, we can't fathom the depth of the riches of the love of Christ for each and every one of us. And Lord, we cannot understand how over 2,000 years ago that you sent your son into the world. Be born of a virgin. Be born in that uh, manger, Lord. To come forth, to be raised up, then to be baptized there in the River Jordan. And, and Lord, to go forth in ministry, ministry to people who were without hope, that were walking in darkness. And dear Lord, today that he came and we thank you for that precious gift, the indescribable gift of your son, Jesus Christ. Thank you, Lord. Our hearts will be forever grateful for who you are and what you've done for us today. And Lord, we know today that if we have salvation in Jesus Christ, Lord, we have all we need. Lord, we know that we have that which you have provided through your grace and your spirit, dear God. So I pray today that that would be uh, for certain and all the people who are listening to this today as we listen to the word of God, if we listen to that word being proclaimed, that, dear God, you would speak, let me get out of the way and let your word and your truth go forth in power. Touch us, touch me, touch the world, dear Lord, with those who are watching this and those who will watch it, uh, that your grace and your love would be truly imparted to their hearts. Thank you, Father, for your presence. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Amen. Thank you, Lord. Uh, I'd like to turn to Luke chapter 1, and we're going to read verses 26 through 38. And the title of this is actually preparation, actually to receive God's um, uh, surprises. And how do we respond when we receive God's surprises? Because God is a surprise. And uh, years ago, I heard a pastor, a good friend, friend of mine say this. He said, made the statement, I'll never forget it. He says, God is a surprise. And you know, right now, God is working. Everybody in here can say, amen, God's working, okay? He's never idle, okay? Even when we don't think he's working, he's working. And we know, obviously, when he's working, he's working. And so we know that uh, great things are happening no matter what we see in the world today because we walk by faith and not by sight. We walk in accordance with the word of God, and the word of God is encouraging today. It's also sharper than a double-edged sword. It's living and active, and it will speak to us today, I believe that, with all my heart. And so we'll read together. In the sixth month, God sent the angel Gabriel to Nazareth, a town in Galilee. And the angel went to her and said, Greetings, you who are highly favored, the Lord is with you. And Mary was greatly troubled at his words and wondered what kind of greeting this might be. But the angel said to her, do not be afraid, Mary. You have found favor with God. And you will be with child and give birth to a son and you are to give him the name Jesus. He will be great and will be called the son of the most high. The Lord God will give him the throne of his father, David. 
and he will reign over the house of Jacob forever. His kingdom will never end. How will this be, Mary asked, the angel said, since I'm a virgin. And the angel answered and said, the Holy Spirit will come upon you and the power of the Most High will overshadow you. So the Holy One to be the born will be called the Son of God. Even Elizabeth, your relative, is going to have a child in her old age and she who was said to be barren is in her sixth month. For nothing is impossible with God. Amen? Amen? Okay, one more verse. Verse 38. I am the Lord's servant, Mary answered. May it be to me as you have said. And then the angel left her. Amen, God's working. Let me read you a little story here, sort of a little illustration. And I recently read about an atheist who went on a hike on a remote nature trail and he was enjoying the scenery with the wildlife so much that he lost track of the trail. And when it was time for him to go back, he realized that he was hopelessly lost. In that state of panic, he did something that he had not done before. He prayed to God for help. And the man did make it out of the forest and was sharing his experience with some friends. And when the atheist mentioned praying, one of his friends asked him, How did God answer your prayer? And the atheist said, well, before God could answer the prayer, a God came along and brought me to safety. You know, this man did not see God's hand working in what he was asking God to do. It's amazing how, obviously, we can be looking for something and then not see it when, it's come, when it actually comes here. And that's exactly what happened to Israel as a whole when the Messiah appeared for the first Christmas. Nothing was more anticipated in the Jewish community and faith than the arrival of the Messiah. Nothing. They looked for the Messiah from way back for that Redeemer that would come. Yet when it happened, very few people even recognized that it was the Messiah. Why was that? What can we learn from these experiences today? I want to talk about it because there are four categories of people who encounter the coming of the Messiah and they, we can draw some lessons from what they have experienced. Now, try to put yourself in which place you fit in in these particular categories. And then at the end, I'll tell you what I believe that definitely all of us should be, what category we should be in. And so, first of all, the first category is the faithful remnant. They were waiting for the consolation of Israel. They were waiting there. They were watching for his coming. And these were the people who meditated upon the word and lived a consecrated or separated life towards God there. They were obviously very spiritual in their thinking and the way they lived their lives. And so you could say here that they were truly insiders. And so the first point and observation when we think about this today, I believe we can say Mary was surprised by Gabriel's visit. She wasn't expecting an angel to come and give her the message from God up until that moment of her visit of that visit that Mary obviously was probably living life as she normally lived. There was nothing unusual about her day. She was taking care of her routine responsibilities and suddenly an angel appeared to her. Think about it. If an angel suddenly appeared to you or to me, how would we respond? Obviously, it would get our attention, wouldn't it? Because I've seen people, I've known people, or just a couple anyway, who've seen angels. And they are obviously very majestic beings created by God to serve God and obviously to minister to people. They're ministering angels. They probably minister us to us more than what we realize. And sometimes when we don't even know it, obviously, most of the time, but they're ministering to us and they will guide us. And, and God uses them, obviously, because God created them for that purpose here. But it happened of all of a sudden to Mary. The same thing happened, you know, earlier in the chap chapter to, to Zacharias and also to Jacob at Bethel there and to Gideon at the threshing floor. And then remember the burning bush there where all of a sudden the, the bush was set on fire with Moses there and all. Uh, it can happen suddenly. It was a surprise that the angel visited her. So these things are surprise, very surprising to those who have encountered their, the, the Lord and, and his uh, host of angels. The second thing here we can draw from that is Mary was also surprised by Gabriel's greeting. Gabriel's greeting was uh, certainly rejoice, highly favored one. The Lord is with you. Blessed are you among women. Now, I don't think Mary viewed herself as anyone really great. She was obviously a teenage girl. She was obviously just regular, probably 
maybe even a low level as far as her financial status. She was in that low position there, again, because she was a female, and she was a poor teenage girl. She didn't see herself as anything great. And yet the angel said, uh, you're highly favored by God. Do you know you and I are highly favored by God? Isn't that good news? You know, if the devil's trying to tell you something different, which he will, he'll tell you that you are a nobody and so forth. But see, we are somebody in the kingdom of God. We don't boast in anything except the Lord, but we are favored by the Lord. We have God's favor. We have God's blessing. We have God's grace upon us every day. And that's something that we can obviously count on and depend upon because that's how God has made us. We have favor with God, just like when he said this to Mary at this time. Mary didn't think of anything of it because she thought just regular, here I am, just trying to get through life. And the same thing with us today. We're just moving through life every each and every day. Here we are approaching Christmas the crowds are getting uh, more uh, heavy. The traffic seems to be worse than it ever has been in my lifetime. All these things are happening in life. It seems like that uh, sometimes nothing's happening around us. It seems like, obviously, that, hey, you know, uh, is, is there anything going on around here? And you're taking life day by day, step by step. And yet, you know, you, you and I could be, uh, obviously, candidates for a visitation that God could come in a surprise and touch each one of us. And we need to pray that and ask God to do that. Touch us because God is a surprise. He surprised Mary with this message. He can surprise us also at times that he can encourage your heart and my heart when you feel probably the, the, the lowest and you feel like that obviously you're discouraged, maybe depressed and so forth. God is a surprise. God can show up and he can touch each and every one of us each and every one of us. We position ourselves. We prepare, obviously, the way for the Lord, just like John the Baptist did. And that's what we're doing, basically. We're getting in a position to receive what God has, but we're not idle during that time. We're actually working for the Lord, but we're actually preparing our hearts to receive the things of God that are so rich and magnificent that we, couldn't even, we can't even understand them. But that's where we are today, aren't we? We're actually each and every day as we study the word of God, as we get draw closer to the Lord, we realize that we are in a, a mode of preparation. We're listening. We're waiting upon the Lord. Mary was waiting. She was a dedicated young teenage girl consecrated towards the Lord. Uh, and God chose her <laughs> sovereignly. A lot of people say, why did God cho choose Mary and, and all? You know, was it because she was consecrated to the Lord and you know, whether or not she was seeking the Lord and so forth, then you probably could say all of the above, you know. But God is sovereign. He does what he wants to do. But he saw something in Mary's heart and he said, I want her to bear the Son of God. And that's exactly what happened. Mary was surprised. But also Mary was surprised by Gabriel's message. And he told her, you're going to conceive a son. You'll call his name Jesus. He'll be great and be called the son of the highest. And the Lord God will give him the throne of his father, David. And he will reign over the house of Jacob forever. And his kingdom, there will be no end. Eternity, no end to his kingdom. And so he's telling, can you imagine a teenage girl is saying this? And she's saying, but how can that be? Because I haven't been with a man. And the angel tells her how that will happen, that the Holy Spirit will come upon you and you'll conceive. And you'll have this son there. And obviously we know that is all theological in the sense of exactly according to God's plan because of the way it had to happen and so forth. And so there was a soup that would be a supernatural event. In Mary's life that she would bear the son of God, she would become pregnant with the son of God there, a supernatural event. Always remember, we serve a supernatural God. Amen. We serve a God that doesn't operate like we do. His ways are not our ways. His thoughts are not our thoughts. He's way higher above ours. And obviously, he's way much more. Obviously, we can't understand all of his ways. He's a surprise, but he is God. And one thing we can know that he loves us and he is with us because he told Mary, he said, you're highly favored and the Lord is with you. If all else fails in our lives, when nothing else seems to be happening, we can go back to this basic foundational truth that God is with us and he never leaves us nor forsakes us. He never walks away from us. What that forsake means, actually, 
He'll never leave us. He's here now. He's with us in the ups and downs of life and the challenges of life. He is preparing us for something greater here today. Nothing in our lives is wasted by that we go through. Even at times when we stumble and fall, it is not wasted. God can turn all things around and work to the good of those who love him and are called according to his purpose. Everything in our lives is now operating that we would become more like Jesus. He knows exactly what he's doing. He told Mary this, and Mary said, let it be to me as you have spoken. She had surrendered, even though she didn't understand it. Much of what God does, I don't understand. I don't know about you, but I don't understand it. Mary didn't understand it. Now, this was a supernatural, I mean really supernatural event was taking place. If she'd not been with a man, she'd be, she would become pregnant there with the Son of God. And yet, obviously, she surrendered her life. And I think if you and I take the position of surrender and submission to the Lord Jesus Christ, that we can't go wrong. The issue is, is we fight against God's will. We push back about those things that we don't understand. We think cognitively we have to have an understanding of that. And again, God does not work that way. He is a surprise. He does things that are way beyond what we understand. And he's working in this church today. He's working in your life today. He's working in my life. He's working in this city of Lake City, Texas. He's working in Houston. He's working around the the world today he's still there and he is not obviously pulled back saying hey y'all have at it i'm gonna let you loose no not for a child of god he is with us and he would be with mary through that whole process why because basically she surrendered she submitted to god here mary received the word in faith from gabriel but she's wondering how could that be in verse 34 again then mary said to the angel how can this be since i don't know a man the angel answered and said to her, the Holy Spirit will come upon you and the power of the highest will overshadow you. Therefore, also that Holy One who is to be born will be called the Son of God. This is a clear declaration of the divinity of Christ here. So even as a consecrated follower of the Lord, always anticipating the coming of the Messiah, that she was surprised here. You remember there, Zacharias was surprised there. When his wife Elizabeth was, they were consecrated believers following hard after the Lord there. And uh, remember, Mary became pregnant. They sought for a child for years and years there. And she, they finally, Mary, I mean, uh, Elizabeth, pardon me, finally got, uh, got pregnant. And remember, Zach, Zacharias, the angel told uh, Zacharias that. Zacharias, because of unbelief in her heart, remember, Zacharias could not speak until the child was born. And I believe, actually, what this actually did was that um, this once-in-a-lifetime opportunity to uh, offer up the incense in the holy place of the temple. You remember what happened when Zacharias was doing that? Is that actually, is that uh, he was really surprised by what God was doing. The reason I believe that possibly that he stopped Zacharias from speaking is so Zacharias couldn't talk himself out of the blessing. That makes sense. Y'all know what I just said. You know what happens when we see God? God does something in our life. What's the first thing we do, or what we could do? We're prone to do. We begin to talk ourselves out of the blessing that God has spoken in our lives or done in our lives. I know uh, I was something had happened to me, and I saw the hand of the Lord there working in it, and so forth. And I began to go back and sort of review it. And in that review, I began to look at it and say, well, maybe this could be just happenstance. Or maybe this could just work out this way because some things came together and the timing and so forth. And maybe that's how this particular thing happened. You see how easy it is to talk yourself out of the blessing of God? I believe God's blessing us a whole lot more than what we realize it. And yet so often because of the circumstances of life and because of the chaotic things that are happening around us is that sometimes we'll actually talk ourselves out of the blessing of God. And so actually in this case, God shut Zacharias's mouth up because Elizabeth obviously was a supernatural birth there of John the Baptist that was going to come forth, had a plan, and yet he said, don't you're not going to speak till the baby's born until he saw the baby. And obviously the celebration when the baby came forth and so forth. But Zacharias was probably questioning. 
is this? I mean, what's going on? Think about it. He's visited by an angel. And yet you and I see miracles every day and we can somehow discount it. You know, it may be that angels have showed up in some type of situation that we're in before. Somebody has helped us that we didn't know. Somebody has has blessed us that we didn't know in one way or another. Maybe God has sent an angel before us in one way or another. And we've sort of discounted it and just said, well, maybe it's just a part of life. It's very easy. That old doubt comes in. Instead of walking by faith, we, we begin to walk by our sight. We begin to, to go by what we've seen. Zacharias was prohibited from speaking. And I believe it was a grace judgment that was upon him. And so, obviously, I, I consider myself pretty serious about serving the Lord, certainly. And I, I believe, I hope that the Lord counts me faithful in what I've done here. And most, I'm sure everybody here could say the same thing. But here's the lesson I see in this part of the history lesson. We may have a, a good idea of what we think God is going to do. We may have revelation in Scripture. We may have a, a word from God that he's going to do this and he's going to do that and so forth. And, and yet we know that's very, very much important in our lives. But certainly how he brings that about sometimes are in ways that I never imagined. OK, because our God is a surprise. God doesn't always work the way that I thought. See, Mary was ready and prepared as far as her heart was concerned for the coming of the Messiah. And she was surprised by all this stuff. But what she did, she immediately surrendered her heart before obviously that unbelief, I'm sure, could come in just like anybody else. She was human there. She knew the word. We know the word. And yet we know that the danger is, is obviously attributing these things is just, hey, well, maybe they just happen. When God's hand of blessing upon, is upon you and me. God has blessed me, amen? He's blessed you. He's done those things in our lives. We need to give him the praise and he gets all the glory and the honor today because he's working on our behalf. No matter what we see happening, he's always working. And one preacher said, even when he's not working, he's working, amen? He's still working, okay? I know one thing for sure that I'm dogmatic about, and that is Jesus Christ is coming back again. Amen. And I believe that we are getting prepared. I don't know when that time will come, but I believe everyone that has has come after Jesus ascended saying I will, shall return there. The one that you've seen will come back in the same manner is that we are always we're in for preparation today. And you and I need to get our lives aligned with the word of God. And we need to stand firm and remain steadfast in what God has called us to do. And don't be discouraged. Do not be discouraged. Discouragement is not of the Lord. This stuff we see in fear is not of the Lord. That is not God. Our confidence is in God. I'm not afraid of these things around us. I'm not afraid at all. God has given me that confidence, and I know he's given that to you also. And so the one thing we find in common among these faithful people that God used and honored at the Messiah's first coming was this, and I believe this is the key to the message, is that their hearts were tender and humble before the Lord. Their hearts were open to God Almighty. I don't think you can lose at all. In fact, I know it. That if your heart is tender and your heart is tender and humble before the Lord, that you remain sensitive to the Holy Spirit of God. Will you get it all right? Will I get it all right? No, not, not always. Will I always do that, which I know, and maybe I've heard God wrong or whatever it may be. But if my heart is tender and I'm humble before the Lord, the Bible says he gives grace to the humble, but he resists the proud, then I can count on it that God is going to reveal things to my heart and he'll do the same for yours today. But they were all tender and they were hum humble before the Lord. They were in preparation here. In Luke chapter 2, these two faithful followers that I mentioned, Simeon, when Joseph and Mary brought Jesus to the temple to cons consecrate him to the Lord, Simeon had been led by the Holy Spirit to go there. And he immediately knew that the Holy Spirit, that this is the Messiah. And he took Jesus in his arms and I, he prophesied, blessed him there. And he had been a man that walked with the Lord. He had been waiting all of his life for the Messiah to come. And you know the story there. It says Anna, that she too was a prophetess. She was 84 years old. She'd been waiting for the Messiah. And remember when Jesus was there, Jesus, God Almighty revealed to him, gave her that certainty, revelation, that this was the Messiah. And also 
uh, Aunt Anna prophesied over the Messiah also. She waited her whole life. Think about it. She's 84. She waited quite a long time, hadn't she? If she'd walked with the Lord all of her life, then it had been a while. You're waiting on the Lord. Maybe today we're waiting on God to answer something we, we really know is important. God knows it is. And somehow you think, God, why are you having me to wait? Why am I waiting upon you? And you know, they spread the, the scriptures that says, those who wait upon the Lord shall renew their strength. They'll, they'll have strength in that. When something happens when we wait upon the Lord and they're waiting upon the Lord and their eyes were open. You and I need to get in a position of waiting upon the Lord. We're not inactive during that time. But we're actually waiting. We're waiting now. You know, this country, we need revival. The only answer is Jesus Christ. There's no other answer. We need an awakening. I mean a major, major move of God's spirit, an outpouring of God's spirit, greater than what we saw and what we read in the book of Acts at the day of Pentecost. We need an outpouring of God's spirit. I've read revivals from way back, the first great awakening, the second great awakening, the revival in Wales, the Welsh revival, the, the revivals that have happened here in this country today, and God has gotten people's attention, woken them up to His presence and His holiness and who He is and a plan for their lives today and has shaped nations because of an outpouring of His Spirit. In Argentina, in Brazil, Brazil is experiencing things happening now that my understanding of people coming to the Lord. South America, people coming to all over. We need that awakening here in the United States and we need to position ourselves to be prepared. But God may do it in a different way than what we thought. But if we're being prepared, we know we're going to see what God has, has already spoken. The second group, this is the inside. These are the people that the faithful remnant, the second group of people, there are four categories, is the distant yet interested Gentiles. They were distant. The Magi could be placed in that category. Their knowledge of God is limited, but they were operating in what they knew. But they were in a search for truth. They were hungry. They were hungry and they were thirsty. They, they wanted to know. And so they began to seek there, remember? And they had enough word, the word of God from Daniel, back five, six hundred years before that, that they knew that a Messiah would be born at that particular time. And when they saw the star, remember, then it awakened them, said, this is the one. And they began to search. They came in and they went, what, 500 miles, I believe many believe, how far they traveled. To be able, they, they sought out that which they wanted to know. So they were they, the uh, distant, yet they were interested here. And probably the gifts that they brought probably sustained uh, Joseph and Mary during the time when they were trying to be, you know, Herod was trying to catch them. And, and also they were people who were hungry there and they had an openness towards God there. And so we know God looks at the heart. Remember? There was revelation that was revealed from that. They were distant. They were distant. Yet they had hunger hearts, hungry hearts. I believe there are people in this country today who are distant. They're not in church. They haven't really sought the Lord and the things of God. But they're hungry. There's something down in their hearts that they're hungry. The Bible says that God has placed eternity in every man's heart. And so there's something in people's hearts that I believe when God begins to move, their hearts will be quickened and then they'll realize this is that which we have sought. I believe that will be. I believe people are being prepared now. They're distant, yet they're hungry. They're thirsty. The third group of people here are the resistant, self-satisfied. Actually, they oppose the coming of the Lord. Obviously, the Magi went to King Herod. We know uh, King Herod had a great position and wealth and power there. And he was hostile towards this. He was jealous. He heard this king was being born. And remember, he had all the babies killed two years and under there to make sure that he got this Jesus killed. And uh, remember, Mary and Joseph went down to Egypt that particular time and protected God's plan was being worked out divinely exactly the way that he, he desired for it to be worked out. Do you know that God's plan is being worked out in your life, in my life, the way he desires? You know, sometimes you think, how did I wind up here? Or I'm not really any of any use to the Lord. Don't ever say that. God is using you. Always just place yourself before the Lord and believe that God can do the miraculous in and through each and every one of us. And so we know there were resistant. Those were opposed. And obviously the most likely people to receive the Messiah 
were also the crowd of people that resisted him. The religious leaders there, the high priest of Jerusalem. He was the official religious leader. He resisted what God was doing at that time. The scribes and the Pharisees, they also resisted uh, what was happening at that particular time. And they're the ones that should have been really ready for the Messiah to come. And they were the ones that resisted, adamantly opposed the Messiah coming in. They were resistant to the Lord. They didn't want him coming. Why? It's because obviously they were encroaching upon, Jesus was encroaching upon their territory. They had their plans. They had what they wanted to do. They had their power scheme. They had all these types of things. And you see, that's what happens in religion. And do you know religion can creep into a church house very easily? Religion can come into this church just like any other thing and take over. A mindset of legality and so forth that I, you know, uh, we're better than anybody else and, and we've got all the answers and so forth instead of remaining humble before the Lord. Instead of obviously asking God for grace and realizing that it's all his grace working in our hearts and we can become religious in all of that instead of relationship of love. And compassion. And reaching out, giving ourselves away, we can kind of come become self-contained, can't we? Instead of reaching out, we needed Ray just mentioned about the missions there where we give ourselves away. I've always said God blesses a church that reaches out into home missions and foreign missions. I just the way it is. Always. He blesses. And God has blessed his church. God has blessed this church. And if we reach out and continue to work in that manner, people who are reaching out around the world, we may not be able to go there. God may tell you, go somewhere and tell your neighbor about Jesus. But if you can't go across the world, he's using other people and we need to support them. And we need to obviously be obedient to the Lord. But anyway, these people were actually, uh, they had positional authority, but they didn't have any spiritual authority. You and I need spiritual authority. And we need to know that also. But these people had positional authority. They had that, obviously, and we need to respect that, certainly. But I want to tell you, spiritual authority is where it's at. Remember King Ahab and Queen Jezebel? They had positional authority over the nation of Israel. They were ungodly people and authority over God's people. They had positional authority, and Elijah had spiritual authority. Remember what happened? He took the prophets of Baal up there on the mountain, and he called down fire, obviously, and he killed every one of the prophets of Baal. He did that. He had spiritual authority today. A lot of people today in, in power structures in this country, they have positional authority, but they have no spiritual authority. Why? It's because they're going against the things of God. Right now, in the Supreme Court, there are decisions being made about Roe versus Wade and the abortion of the killing of children in the womb today. We need to continue to pray for those justices. It's actually supposed to be six and three, but we need to pray for those justices that they would make the godly decision. And we need to pray as we have this upcoming election in 2022 that God would put godly men and women into office who have spiritual authority. You know, you say, yeah, but there needs to be a separate between the church house and the political system. No, 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 no. That's something the enemy has brought in. There's no separation of church and state in that way. We just don't ordain that there be a state religion there. That's what that meant. What it means is obviously you and I need to get involved with this. We need to pray for our leaders. You need to pray for those. There's somebody here, evidently Election League City. You need to pray for them. I'm talking about from actually what's happening is in the low levels, in the communities and so forth, in the school boards and those types of things. We need to, I need to pray for those that are being put in those positions to make decisions that will do right by our children because actually it's where the children are, the future generation that will seek after the Lord Jesus Christ. And we need to pray. We need to seek the Lord on that. That they'd have spiritual authority. Because right now, a lot of them have positional authority and they're hoarding, they're hoarding it over us from the, very, from the very top all the way down through and wanting to mandate everything that you and I do today. When this country was founded upon the constitution of freedom and actually the freedom to be able to speak, being able to obviously to assemble ourselves together, the freedom of religion, all these freedoms that we know today, the enemy wants to encroach on and take it away, try to have this country come under the domain of these power-hungry men and women that don't know Jesus Christ. We need to obviously pray and remain diligent here. The lesson here is promotion and relationship with God are not necessarily the same thing. 
One of the things God will teach true Christians is the value of submission. You know, when this country was first founded, I love to read history. I love that. And you're looking at the first people who, who put the Constitution together and began to come together as the 13 colonies began to gather and all. And, and, and so they came to stalemates where they could not get past the, the decision that they needed. They couldn't come to a decision. And I believe Ben Franklin said, we need to call a prayer meeting. We need to pray about this. And so what they do, they stopped. Can you ever heard of such a thing? If the House of Representatives today or the Senate or any of the others said, we're at a stalemate, hey, here, and we don't feel this is best for our country, can we just get together and pray together instead of just continuing to bicker and fight one another and so forth? Can we get together and pray? This is what God is saying. You see, spiritual authority is what we need today. And that authority only comes as God delegates us. Jesus delegates that in and through us. It's not my authority. It's His authority. He delegates to us. And that's a very precious authority that we obviously need to very, be very sensitive with in what we do and how we handle that authority. Jesus was a peasant from Nazareth as far as the religious rulers in Jerusalem were concerned. Their question was, can anything good come out of Nazareth? Remember? And he was just a feather. He was a nobody. And yet he had spiritual authority. He had compassion upon the people. He laid hands upon the sick. He cast out demons. And he went around the countryside and brought about the kingdom of God. And so we see that spiritual authority most importantly. But there are many that only have positional authority. They don't know the true authority, you see. The fourth, most important. I want you to get this. And I believe... The vast majority fall into the fourth and final category, and that is the indifferent and preoccupied crowd. These people obviously least aware of something going on. Herod and the religious rulers in Jerusalem were aware and resistant. The Magi were aware and they were curious. And the faithful remnant were aware and cooperative, but all those together were a small minority of the population. Think about it for a moment. Remember, Bethlehem was so crowded this particular time of year that people were walking past Mary and Joseph there. And I'm sure they were walking past that stable and the Son of God was born in that stable, in that manger. And they were walking past it and they had no idea what was going on. They were totally oblivious today. Have you seen people today walking around and you see, you could be said, people who don't know Jesus, they're dead men walking. They haven't been saved. They're dead spiritually. They don't know anything about God. They have nothing to do. If you start talking about the only way they say Jesus Christ is in a curse word. They have nothing to know. They have know nothing about Jesus Christ here. They did not grasp. They have not grasped the significance. Same back then. They were indifferent. They were preoccupied. Hey, they were busy. And so the way this visitation happened, it was possible to be standing right beside it and miss it altogether. I've always said, I can be worshiping here and the person right beside me be touched by the presence of the Lord, the power of the Holy Spirit, and I not even know it right beside me because that person's heart is prepared. That, parse, that person has come in here expecting. That person has come in hungry and thirsty for righteousness. And I'm standing there and never right beside me and I miss it. And you see, a church can miss it also. A church can not be prepared to receive what God has for it because they have preconceived ideas about God's got to do it my way. He's got to make keep me comfortable. I've, tradition overrides anything God wants to do in the present today. And we can say, I don't want this because this makes me uncomfortable today. And yet it'd be directly from the heart of God. I'm not saying just throw out anything. I'm just saying when God's spirit moves, it may not be the way that we desire. But those people were preoccupied. God has a way of hiding His glory so that only the pure in heart can see it. He hides His glory in a teenage girl. He obviously he hides His glory in a barn. He hides His glory in a carpenter working there day in and day out for those years as Jesus was being prepared to go forth for the three and a half years of, of ministry that He had on this earth. That's all He had. And I want to turn the world upside down. I wish I could say the same that I've done in three and a half years. How about you? 
I want to turn the world upside down. I want to make a difference for Jesus Christ. And I know you do also. And you see, it's never too late. It's never too late to be able to do that. You take God takes you where you are, no matter where you are in life, no matter how old, no matter how young here. But you see, if we're busy doing things like they were buying and selling, marrying and divorcing, eating and drinking, whatever had their attention, robbed them of something absolutely wonderful. They were all consumed by their own life. And I don't know about you, I can get consumed with life. I can obviously uh, get busy and it looks like life is just kind of caving in and it's looked like I just can't keep up. I don't know about you. And I can forget the priorities that I know with a certainty in all my heart that God has already imparted to my heart and told me if I keep these things in, as priority, then all other things will work out. You know how? It's because the Bible says so. Seek first his kingdom and his righteousness and everything else will be added unto you. OK, why do we get it backwards? We miss the Messiah. We miss the glory of God. I don't want to miss it because I believe that God is speaking today and he's doing wonderful things. And I believe that day he wants to visit us in a powerful way today. He wants to revive our hearts. He wants to renew us. He wants to awaken us. But see, that visitation can be overlooked if you and I are too busy to stop. And to be able to listen. Psalm 46.10 says, Be still and know that I am God. Be still. That in the Hebrew means put your hands out by your side. Relax. Relax. Anybody uptight in here today? <laughs> Anybody? What you see happening in the world? Everything, busyness, getting ready for Christmas, getting ready for families to come. We all up this. And man, you know, some people just get uptight. And as you're working and fretting, remember the story of Mary and Martha? Martha was in the kitchen making the food. I like Martha too, don't get me wrong, because I like the ones that make the food. But Mary was seated at Jesus' feet. And remember what Jesus said, basically, don't chastise her because she chose the better thing. If we seek God first and his kingdom, everything else will be added to us. And we know that to be true because... That's what the word God says. It's not like this is a possibility. I know when I put God first in my life and I don't get too busy to miss what he's doing, then I begin to see things happening all around me. You see, every morning I pray, Lord, open my eyes to see what you're doing. Open my ears to hear your voice. Open my mind that I understand and open my heart that I may obey. But I can pray that prayer. And then go on about my business and get busy doing the things that are out there that need to be done. And I don't minimize that. But we need to be careful that we don't lose our priority. In Psalm 27, 4, it says this one thing. This is what David said. This is one thing. Now, this was a king. He had servants and he had all. He obviously a very rich man. It was a, he was a man after God's own heart, according to the word of God. But he says, this is one thing that I ask and the one thing that I seek. That I dwell with the Lord all the days of my life and gaze upon his beauty. He had one reason for living. And if we keep that one thing, the one thing, then we also will be successful in what God wants us to do. We may not look successful to the world, and that's not our purpose. Our purpose is, is how we look before the Lord. Are we pleasing him? Are we pleasing the activities and the, and the stresses and strains that the world puts before us? Because when the stresses and strains take over our lives and become dominant in our lives, then we're all focused. We've lost our focus. And we become busy. You see, actually, the things when you see sin, you call sin, sin is sin. It's horrible in God's eyes. We need to see it the way God sees it. We need to see sin the way God sees it. But at the same time, I believe getting busy, preoccupied, ignoring him, and going about our regular business, I'm pretty close, or maybe worse. We're not seeking. We're not putting God first in our lives. When he's not Lord over all of our lives, he's not Lord over any of our life. So that takes you and I regrouping and coming back again, remembering 
They're more important things today that are right there in front of us than a lot of times we want to acknowledge. Jesus there speaks of his second coming in Luke chapter 21 when he says, but take heed to yourselves, lest your hearts be weighed down with carousing, drunkenness, and the cares of this life. And that day, in big capital letters, come on you unexpectedly. For it will come as a snare on those who dwell on the face of the whole earth. Watch, therefore, and pray always that you may be counted worthy to escape all these things that will come to pass and to stand before the Son of Man. Be watchful. Look up. Be watchful for your redemption is drawing near. You see, he says, take heed. Lest you get weighted down by all this stuff. And I know he uses the word drunkenness and so forth. I'm not sure what the Greek is saying. But he said by the cares of life. The cares of life can weigh me down. I know probably each one of us could say, yes, that's right, Jim. He can. But he says, be careful about that. Don't let that happen. Be watchful. Keep your eyes on me. Keep your focus upon the things that really should be priority in your life and my life. That's where it's at. All these other things are just temporary, right? They just come and go. I told you. All the funerals I've always done there at the casket. I've looked at the casket there, all the people. And I don't see anything that they're taking with them. Okay. Nothing wrong with putting things there. It's part of the grief. But we don't take anything with us. You know what we take with us? Our relationship with Jesus. We stand before the King. There's no condemnation. But we need to obviously. While we're on this side. To do the things that are pleasing unto him. Don't get too busy. There were those that. Missed him. Obviously they, they were surprised. We're surprised. God could come right now. And do something in your life. My life. That would so impact you. You would never be the same. God's done that in my life. Has he done it in yours? I'm asking him again. Do it again, Lord, because I need that. I need that. We need that. I'm a leaky vessel. I get filled with the Spirit, and then I leak. I got, I'm like sieves. I'm like that uh, strainer. It just goes right on through. I say, Lord, fill me again. His mercies are new every morning. Great is thy faithfulness, O Lord. Amen. Every morning, fill me, Lord. Anoint me. Use me. Because I've been leaked yesterday. I'm leaked out. I'm tired. I need to be filled. And if you ask God to fill you today, do you know I believe that's straight from His Word. He'll do it. And then that was the group that they were curious. But they were hungry. They were curious. There's again people seeking today. And then there are those who resisted Him. And then there were those that were too busy to even notice. In my neighborhood, there are more lights up this year than I've ever seen before. And you know what my thought is? As I drive past those nights, there are lights. I love lights. I love all that. And, and, <clears throat> and I think, are those people putting that up because they know Jesus? Are they celebrating what Jesus Christ did for us here? It wasn't on December 25th. We know that. But it's probably the fall, earlier, maybe October, many believe. But we celebrate it on the 25th. But do they know what they're celebrating? Or do they just like to do what we do also at Halloween, put Halloween lights up and we do this, all this kind of stuff and all that? Do they really know that? Do they know Jesus Christ? Maybe they don't. Maybe they do. But everybody's busy. Everybody's putting the lights up. One house there in my neighborhood has got four trees in it. One in the bedroom, one in the living room, one in the dining room, and one upstairs. Got more trees than I can even see, think. They got trees all over the place. Do they know about Jesus Christ? Or have we been getting busy because, boy, we like this time of year. Nothing wrong with that. But we need to make sure our priority is in the right order. We don't want to miss the king. Amen? We don't want to miss him. Because let me tell you, He's the greatest gift that ever been, has ever been given. There's no one else like him. And today, if you're sitting here and you're saying, hey, Jim, I've, 
I've gotten busy. Maybe you're watching. You're saying, I'm busy. And I feel like I've been distracted. You can come back. God takes us right where we are. When we return, he said, return to me. Draw close to me. I'll draw close to you. He said, come back. Come back to your first love. Jesus, Ephesians, the church at Ephesus. He's saying today, you can be renewed right where you are. You see, I'm praying for revival today. And I'm praying that God would do it because I want everybody to experience Jesus Christ in a way that they never had before. It's powerfully in that relationship because it's intimacy with God Almighty. But I'm saying, Lord, do it to me because I need you. Can you say that? Lord, I need you. And I've been distracted. I've gotten away from the priorities, the, the basics that I really know to be true. And I need to return. Thank God we have a father whose arms are wide open for each one of us to stand there and say, child, my yoke is easy and my burden is light. All come to me if you've got that right now. I'll give it to you. If you've got a heavy yoke on you, it's not God. It's his burden on you right now, weighing you down to where you don't feel like you can breathe. That's not God. God can, can lift those from you, you and I. We'll run into his arms. Amen. Amen. Thank you, Lord. Let's pray together. Father, thank you for your word, your truth, and thank you for your presence always. Lord, we ask you, these things we pray today are the things we just spoke of, that we would not be those who are too busy not to see the true significance of what you did at Calvary. In fact, Lord, at, 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 in, obviously at that time when Jesus was born in the manger, but Father, also in the fulfillment of what you did when you sent your only begotten son to Calvary to die for our sins and rise on the third day. Help us not to get off focus, get off from what you've called us to do and to be. May you be praised and glorified in our lives and everything we do and everything we say. But Father, help us during this season to see you high and lifted up. Give us opportunities to share our faith to be all that you called us to be. May you forever and ever be praised. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Amen. Thank you. Thank you all for listening. I pray you have a Merry Christmas and all that. Don't get too busy. Take time to reflect upon the real reason for this season because if we don't, we'll slip around. It's a slippery slope downward. And remember that God Almighty loves you and he proved it by sending Jesus Christ to you where you all have a wonderful week and I will see you next week. God bless. Amen. Thank you, Lord.